0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Thanking you so much for joining us today on the broadcast. Now, listen, if you'd like to send me an email, I love getting emails from our listeners. Just send it to O N E, one, one hope for your heart at gmail.com. O N E, hope for your heart, all lowercase, no spaces. One hope for your heart at gmail.com and I checked that every day and I'll be glad to pray for you. And I had one of our listeners that sent me an email and he says he's giving his very first sermon. And so I prayed for him. And that was a few Sundays ago he had his very first sermon and I thought that was really cool uh, that he would reach out to me. So I prayed for this brother in Christ and and I'm praying that the sermon was well received and that God filled them up with boldness, right? And uh, in this day and age we need some heaven sent boldness. Uh, we need some God given compassion for one another, and so that's what we're talking about today. This is part two on the subject of compassion. Why in the world has our world become less compassionate? Why does it seem that evil is running rampant? And we talked about that yesterday, but we're looking at Psalm 82. Psalm 82. Let me read this psalm for you. Uh, It's not a real long psalm. It's only eight verses. Verse number one says, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. We said yesterday that that little word, gods, is talking about leaders, leaders that are over people, and uh, God is presiding, and he's bringing judgment among the gods. In other words, he expects us as leaders, and it doesn't really matter how many people you're over, but you're required to be one that shows justice, and he's going to render judgment among the gods. And then verse number two, how long will you defend the unjust? And how long will you show partiality to the wicked? And so a question is asked of those of us who are leaders. Now, all of us are leaders to a certain extent. Everyone listening to me today, if you're born again, you're a minister. You're a servant of the Most High, and God has strategically placed you to be a blessing to somebody. And so the question could be asked of you, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Verses 3 and 4 is the main two verses of this psalm. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 5. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. In other words, because we have not defended the weak, the fathers, and the cause of the poor and the oppressed, because we haven't rescued the weak and the needy, we haven't delivered them from the hand of the wicked. As a result, we have our understanding darkened. We know nothing. Says we walk around in darkness, the foundations of the earth are shaken, not talking about the literal earth, but the moral foundations of the earth are shaken. Verse number six, I said, you are gods and you are all sons of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth for all the nations are your inheritance. So we've talked about what is compassion. Compassion is more than just feeling sorry for somebody. It's more than just pitying somebody. Compassion is actually feeling with somebody. I enter into their grief. When they are being treated unjustly, I feel that injustice. I enter into that feeling with them, and I do something to help them during that time. You see, compassion always has something attached to it. You don't just feel pity for them but you're going to do something about it, and you're going to defend them. It's kind of like if you see somebody in a fight, and you know the person that's getting beat up, you jump in there, right? And you intercept that fight, and you defend your friend, and you protect them from that person that's coming against them. That's what compassion is, is seeing a need that somebody has, and not just saying, oh, I'm so sorry you have that problem, but it's doing something about it. So the psalmist tells us, Psalm 82, written by Asaph, that there are certain people who need compassion. Three major groups of people are mentioned in Psalm 82. Verse number three, give justice to the weak and to the fatherless. I would call these the abandoned. Those who are homeless, those who have lost something, uh, they feel like they have no legal standing because they are abandoned. Now, I don't know if you realize this. I just learned this recently as I was studying for this sermon. President Ronald Reagan declared National Single Parent Day on March 21st. Every year, March 21st is National Single Parent. It's worth noting that America, the United States, has the highest level of single parent families with children in the world. Did you know about 30% of American families with children under 18, about 30% of them are living in single parent families? That represents 10 million households. Yeah, you know, the share of American families with children living with a single parent has tripled since 1965. The large majority of these single-parent families, approximately 75%, are headed by a mother only. So that means about 25% are headed by a dad only. In 2020, nearly 19 million children, amounting to 25% of all of the children's population in the United States are living in a single-parent home. You know, the percentage is nearly three times the level that it was in 1960. Now, this is really mind-boggling. Now, this is not to condemn these people. And we look at situations of a single parent. Sometimes it's of no fault of that single parent that they find themselves in that situation. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I think it's more a picture of where our culture is, And that we are not reaching out to the weak and the abandoned, the fatherless. They are not getting the love and the support that they need. I was interviewing a guy who was part of a gang, and I met this guy at prison. And I asked him, I said, Now, what attracted you to be part of a gang? He says, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have anybody in my family that I felt really cared about me. And the gang was looking out for me. And because the gang was looking out for me, I went through the initiation to be part of that gang. I felt like they were part of my family. When we think about that lack of love, we should be compassionate and give justice to the weak and to the fatherless. There was a professional football player, and unfortunately, he passed away uh, December of 2021, Demarius Thomas. uh, His mother was arrested and sent to prison when he was just 11 years old. He said at that time... His father was in the military, and and he continues on by saying, my mother, my stepfather, and my grandmother, they were all locked up. From that day on, the time I was 11, I was basically an orphan. I came home from school, and I thought, where do I go now? He eventually made it through high school and through college and became a a standout wide receiver. But listen to how Thomas describes what happened to him. People think orphans are kids whose parents have died. But 80% of orphans in the United States have at least one parent who is alive somewhere. There are millions of kids just like me all across the United States and hundreds of millions all across the world. We rely on the kindness of the couches of others to get us through the day. He goes on by saying, I had multiple high school coaches, they looked out for me. I had college coaches and I had deacons and pastors and aunties and uncles and and friends. I had these people that if I slipped up, they took care of me. I I talked to a lot of kids. He says that their parents are in prison and, and they feel like they are left behind for one reason or another. And he says, I understand their anger. I understand their pain, the fear that they have, especially their loneliness. They just want somebody to say, I care about you. But that doesn't happen enough. So, they find themselves getting into trouble. As an athlete, especially, we don't like to talk about love. We talk about brotherhood and all that, but not love. But it's the most important thing in a child's life. More important than the kind of school you go to, or what neighborhood you live in, or even if you grow up around drugs and violence. If you are loved, you will make it out, he said. You know, I think about what James said. In James chapter 2, he says, You know, suppose you're at a worship service and a brother or a sister is without clothes and they don't have daily food and they come in and and you say to them go i wish you well keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs what good is that you see we should be compassionate to those who have been abandoned those who are facing loneliness there might be somebody listening to me today and, and they look at the same four walls every single day their phone rarely rings and and they rarely have anybody come by to see them. They feel abandoned. Oh, they're not homeless, but they feel like they are are, are battling loneliness. You know, we have seen a big spike in loneliness. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story not too long ago, and, and this particular woman, she was 73 years old, and she was living in her home, and she passed away. For four years, nobody realized she had passed away. Uh, The neighbors noticed that the lawn needed to be cut, and so they went over and they cut the grass. They finally realized that uh, one day that the mailbox was overflowing with mail, and so they called the police. The police came along, and they went into the home, and they found this woman had been dead for four long years. I mean, the neighbors were somewhat compassionate. They cut the grass. And, and, and one time they saw water uh, coming out of the side of the house and it was a cold day. And so the pipes burst. And so they even turned off the water main going to the house so that water wouldn't be spewing all over the place. But they never took the time to knock on the door to see if she was okay. For four long years, this woman, her skeleton was remaining in that house and nobody was checking on her. That's such a sad story when you think about it. You know, there's another group of people that we should be very compassionate about, not only those who are abandoned, those who are lonely, but also the afflicted. Going back to Psalm 82, it says, Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Now, those are the people who are helpless, those who have suffered something. Now, when you become destitute, you have no means of support. You know, I think one of my favorite Bible examples of Jesus caring for the afflicted is found in Mark chapter 5. And beginning at verse 25, it says there was a woman there, and she had this discharge of blood for 12 years. And she suffered under many physicians. In other words, she had gone to a lot of doctors. And in fact, she spent all that she had, and she didn't get any better. In fact, she grew worse. She had heard reports that Jesus was going to come and And the crowds gathered around Jesus, and and she said, If I could just touch his garment, I think I would be whole. And so she made her way to Jesus and and got as close as she could, and she reached out and touched his garment. And immediately, this flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that that she was healed of her disease. Now Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about and said to the crowd, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see this big crowd pressing around you, and yet you're asking who touched you? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and, and fell down before the feet of Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Oh, there's so many people that need to touch the garment of Christ. And oftentimes, they can touch his garment through the compassion of a brother or sister in Christ. Here, this poor woman had an ongoing issue. Maybe you know somebody who has an ongoing stress. It's an incurable condition that constantly brings about pain and suffering. We're called upon to show compassion to that person. You know, we may not be able to solve everybody's problems, but we can come alongside people and says, you know what? You got a friend in me. I remember many years ago, I had to go to court, and I was in a in a, in a car accident, and somebody was, was seriously injured, and, and I was guilty. I mean, there was no doubt about it. I was guilty. I pled guilty before the court, and, uh, and I don't even know how to defend myself. I said, there, this is indefensible. I was totally irresponsible. And uh, I had a dear friend. He says, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to go with you to court. I was seven hundred miles away from my family. I was a young single guy. I was in college, and and, and, a, and a fellow, a student uh, who was in my dormitory says, "You know what? I'm going to go with you. I'm going to hang out with you at court. Uh, I don't really have anything to say, but I'm just going to go to support you." You know that meant so much to me, and that brother in Christ showed me compassion. He knew I was guilty. I knew I was guilty. Uh, the poor person, uh, individual that I hurt, they knew I was guilty but she gave me forgiveness and I had a compassionate friend that walked through me during that stressful time you know that friend about a year after that contracted aids and and it was a terrible thing he he went on a missions trip and uh, this is back in the uh late 80s early 90s and and uh, this is when the AIDS epidemic was really starting uh, to, to run rampant. And, and we weren't sure of all the, uh, of what caused it at that time. And, and, uh, and he was in Africa on a missions trip. And uh, apparently the team had uh, got a hold of some bad water and they all were, were sick. And, and so they gave him some shots and, and the needle that they used was tainted. And this man, along with a couple of the team members on this mission trip, caught the dreaded AIDS virus. And uh, he became a hemophiliac after that, and, and his health began to slowly decline. And and so I was his roommate uh, at that time. And uh, as a matter of fact, he, he said, listen, I'm a, I'm a mess, and, and I'm a burden to a, a roommate. Uh, if you want to get a different roommate, I understand. And I said, no, no, I'm going to be your roommate. And uh, if you need to go to the hospital, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And as uh, a matter of fact, it took so much of my time, uh, the, the school said that I could redo a semester, no charge, uh, because they knew I had spent so much time helping my brother in Christ. And it wasn't really a burden. He felt like his condition was a burden him, but it really wasn't because I remembered the compassion that he showed to me. And, and unfortunately, he passed away, and, and I had the privilege of doing his funeral, and uh, my heart just broke for this man to go through this difficult time, but I will never forget the compassion that jimmy Moffat had for me i mean here it is 35 years later and, and i'm still remembering the compassion that he had for me you know you know somebody that is going through an ongoing stress maybe they have an incurable condition and and what you can do is just go there and share in their compassion just yesterday i drove out to to visit one of the uh, one of our members Mom is is really on her, her deathbed. She's going through hospice care and so I drove down. It, it was quite a, a a lengthy drive, but I said, you know what? I, I want to be there and I want to pray with this woman. I want to make sure that she understands salvation and I just want to be with her. I want to be with her husband and I didn't even know this this uh, couple. I just met this couple and I knew their son very well. Their son is heavily involved in our church and and uh, and, and just to spend 30 or 40 minutes with them. And, and they, they just, the husband began to weep and says, thank you so much for coming. I know it's a long drive for you to come down here. And I said, no, it's no problem. It's my joy to be with you during this difficult time. You know, the world needs compassionate people. You know, you can't give compassion to everybody, but God puts people in your paths. Now, when I think about who God expects us to be a good neighbor to, uh, I believe it's the people that God brings into our lives, uh, the people that cross our paths. Those are the people God expects us to be compassionate with. Well, there's another group of people. Uh, We've talked about those who are abandoned, those who are experiencing loneliness. We've talked about the afflicted, those who are going through times of helplessness and no means of support. Uh, The third group that the psalmist mentioned are the hopeless, those who are abused, those who have given up something. Maybe they have no means of security. Verse 4 says, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. You know, this theme of rescuing the weak and being compassionate is not just an exhortation given to us by the psalmist. In Ephesians 4.32, we are told to be compassionate, to be kind to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. Oh, I want you to think about somebody that, that may be having a hard time forgiving. You know what they need? They need your compassion to say, I'm going to forgive you. You know, Christ forgave in us the unforgivable because he was compassionate for us. He didn't want us to be separated from God. And so he says, I'm going to forgive you of the unforgivable. If God, who is perfect through his son, Jesus Christ, can forgive us of the unforgivable, how much more should we forgive those who have trespassed against us? You say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, we didn't deserve it either. None of us deserve forgiveness. That's why it's a gift. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 3, 8, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do. I got to pause right here. He said, Lord, forgive me for looking at people, regarding people in light of what they do or what they don't do. It's so easy to look at what people do and don't do. Mr. Bonhoeffer says, he says, more we should be looking at people in what they suffer. You know, behind every set of eyes, there is a person that is suffering. So there are four ways that we can show compassion. We've looked at Psalm 82. We've talked about what compassion is. It is actually feeling along with somebody. It's not just feeling for them, it's feeling with them. We talked about three types of uh, groups of people that really need our our, our compassion Uh, those who have been abandoned, those who have been afflicted, and those who have been abused. Let's talk now about four ways that God shows us his compassion from Psalm 8. Psalm chapter 8. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set the glory in the heavens. "'Through the praise of children and infants, "'you have established a stronghold against your enemies "'to silence the foe and the avenger. "'When I consider your heavens, the work of your finger, "'the moon and the stars, what you have set in place, "'what is mankind that you are mindful of him "'or human beings that you care for them? "'You have made them just a little bit lower than the angels. "'You have crowned them with glory and with honor.' For you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, and the the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Ah, the psalmist begins talking about the majesty of God's name, and ends talking about the majesty of God's name. It's a name that is above all of the names in all of the earth. And there's four ways that God shows us his compassion. Number one, with his fingers, he created all that we see. I think about your fingers. You know, your fingers are great at putting small things together. I remember as a kid, I used to love to do models. Uh, you know those little models and have all these plastic pieces and uh, there might be a hundred pieces in this model and you got to put them all together and they got a little thing of glue. You glue the parts together and I would do model cars and I would do skeletons and, and airplanes and I just love doing these. As a matter of fact, I used to have them hanging from my bedroom uh, ceiling uh, and then I had the cars on the dressers and airplanes up hanging from that. All these were models that I put together and, and I love doing models. I guess if you're ADHD, uh, puzzles and models, a lot of fun things he do. I think about God's fingers. With his fingers, right, he created us. And then the huge vastness of God's creation, not only the fingers of God, but the mind of God, verse number four, in the vast of the greatness of the good creation, God is thinking about us. You know, when I was just a speck in my mama's eye, a glimmer in my dad's eyes, man, God was thinking about me. And he was thinking about you. The psalmist says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Yeah, I used to think God is too busy to be concerned about my petty little things. Ah, but you know what? God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is able to know all things. He's, He's able to be thinking about me because he cares deeply for me. You know, God loves you with an unconditional love. And that love for you is not going to diminish when you mess up. He is thinking about you. He is thinking about our future. He's thinking about how we can navigate through the difficulties of our lives. We are not abandoned. God is thinking about us. And then the third thing we see about God's compassion for us is that he has these hands. And you think about the hands of God. You know, our hands give us the ability to be involved. It says that God uses these hands, the works of his hands, and he gives them to rulers. I think about parents. You remember when your kids were young and, and you would protect them with your hands, right? If they were to dart out, you'd grab them. And, uh, and, and I'm old enough to remember when when seatbelts weren't really in vogue, right? It, and it, it was a time uh, when you didn't have to wear, it wasn't the law that you had to wear a seatbelt. And cars didn't come with these automatic seatbelts like they do today. And I remember sitting in the front seat of my car, and I, I still do this sometimes, right? And you have to hit the brakes hard. And so you, you put your arm out so that your child you know, is, is held back against the seat. It's almost like a natural reaction. Okay, I'm stopping fast, and he's not paying attention, and I'm going to put my arm out in front of him to, to stop him from hitting his head on the dashboard, right? And so I think about God doing that. His hands are protecting us, and he doesn't want us uh, to get in trouble. So he protects us. You know, one of the things that, that I look forward to when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God if, he's, if he can give me a glimpse of the near misses in my life, the times where he stepped in. And there's one last thing we got to look at. We see that the fingers of God created us. His mind is caring for us. His hands are controlling us. And then I think about the feet of God. and He says that God has put everything under their feet. Now, some translation says under his feet. Uh, the New International Version says under their feet. And I think when we think about this, God is giving us the ability to manage the flocks and the herds and the animals of the world. And, and Adam was given this job to oversee creation. And we're given the same job. We're not to worship creation, but we are to care for creation. But we're not to forget who is the creator. Well, thank you so much for listening today. And I pray that you will be compassionate, that you'll be compassionate with those who are over you, those who are next to you, those who are under you. And this week, I want you to think about who most needs my compassion and reach out to that person and bless that person. Well, thank you so much for listening. If I can help you in any way, feel free to give me a call. 757-757 421 7500 757 421 7500. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com/1890557 or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10:30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.